Letter one of letters written during a short residence in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Morant. Letters written during a short residence in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark by Mary Wollstonecraft. Letter one. Eleven days of weariness on board a vessel not intended for the accommodation of passengers have so exhausted my spirits, to say nothing of the other causes, with which you are already sufficiently acquainted, that it is with some difficulty I adhere to my determination of giving you my observations, as I travel through new scenes, whilst warmed with the impression they have made on me. The captain, as I mentioned to you, promised to put me on shore at Arendal or Gothenburg in his way to Elsinore, but contrary winds obliged us to pass both places during the night. In the morning, however, after we had lost sight of the entrance of the latter bay, the vessel was becalmed, and the captain, to oblige me, hanging out a signal for a pilot, bore down towards the shore. My attention was particularly directed to the lighthouse, and you can scarcely imagine with what anxiety I watched two long hours for a boat to emancipate me. Still no one appeared. Every cloud that flitted on the horizon was hailed as a liberator, till approaching nearer, like most of the prospects sketched by hope, it dissolved under the eye into disappointment. Weary of expectation, I then began to converse with the captain on the subject, and from the tenor of the information my questions drew forth, I soon concluded that if I waited for a boat I had little chance of getting on shore at this place. Despotism, as is usually the case, I found had here cramped the industry of man. The pilots, being paid by the king, and scantily, they will not run into any danger, or even quit their hovels, if they can possibly avoid it, only to fulfill what is termed their duty. How different is it on the English coast, where, in the most stormy weather, boats immediately hail you, brought out by the expectation of extraordinary profit. Disliking to sail for Elsinore, and still more to lie at anchor or cruise about the coast for several days, I exerted all my rhetoric to prevail on the captain to let me have the ship's boat, and though I added the most forcible of arguments, I for a long the addressed him in vain. It is a kind of rule at sea not to send out a boat. The captain was a good-natured man, but men with common minds seldom break through general rules. Prudence is ever the resort of weakness, and they rarely go as far as they may in any undertaking who are determined not to go beyond it on any account. If, however, I had some trouble with the captain, I did not lose much time with the sailors, for they, all alacrity, hoisted out the boat the moment I obtained permission, and promised to row me to the lighthouse. I did not once allow myself to doubt of obtaining a conveyance from thence round the rocks, and then away for Gothenburg. Confinement is so unpleasant. The day was fine, and I enjoyed the water till, approaching the little island, poor Marguerite, whose timidity always acts as a feeler before her adventuring spirit, began to wonder at our not seeing any inhabitants. I did not listen to her. But when, on landing, the same silence prevailed, I caught the alarm, which was not lessened by the sight of two old men whom we forced out of their wretched hut. Scarcely human in their appearance, we with difficulty obtained an intelligible reply to our questions, the result of which was that they had no boat, and were not allowed to quit their post on any pretense. But they informed us that there was at the other side, eight or ten miles over, a pilot's dwelling. 
two guineas tempted the sailors to risk the captain's displeasure and once more embark to row me over the weather was pleasant and the appearance of the shore so grand that i should have enjoyed the two hours it took to reach it but for the fatigue which was too visible in the countenances of the sailors who instead of uttering a complaint were with the thoughtless hilarity peculiar to them joking about the possibility of the captain's taking advantage of a slight westerly breeze which was springing up to sail without them yet in spite of their good humour i could not help growing uneasy when the shore receding as it were as we advanced seemed to promise no end to their toil this anxiety increased when turning into the most picturesque bay i ever saw my eyes sought in vain for the vestige of a human habitation before i could determine what step to take in such a dilemma for i could not bear to think of returning to the ship the sight of a barge relieved me and we hastened towards it for information we were immediately directed to pass some jutting rocks when we should see a pilot's hut there was a solemn silence in this scene which made itself be felt the sunbeams that played on the ocean scarcely ruffled by the lightest breeze contrasted with the huge dark rocks that looked like the rude materials of creation forming the barrier of unwrought space forcibly struck me but i should not have been sorry if the cottage had not appeared equally tranquil approaching a retreat where strangers especially women so seldom appeared i wondered that curiosity did not bring the beings who inhabited it to the windows or door i did not immediately recollect that men who remained so near the brute creation as only to exert themselves to find the food necessary to sustain life have little or no imagination to call forth the curiosity necessary to fructify the faint glimmerings of mind which entitle them to rank as lords of the creation had they either they could not contentedly remain rooted in the clods they so indolently cultivate whilst the sailors went to seek for the sluggish inhabitants these conclusions occurred to me and recollecting the extreme fondness which the parisians ever testify for novelty their very curiosity appeared to me a proof of the progress they had made in refinement yes in the art of living in the art of escaping from the cares which embarrass the first steps towards the attainment of the pleasures of social life the pilots informed the sailors that they were under the direction of a lieutenant retired from the service who spoke english adding that they could do nothing without his orders and even the offer of money could hardly conquer their laziness and prevail on them to accompany us to his dwelling they would not go with me alone which i wanted them to have done because i wished to dismiss the sailors as soon as possible once more we rode off they following tardily till turning round another bold protuberance of the rocks we saw a boat making towards us and soon learnt that it was the lieutenant himself coming with some earnestness to see who we were to save the sailors any further toil i had my baggage instantly removed into his boat for as he could speak english a previous parley was not necessary though marguerite's respect for me could hardly keep her from expressing the fear strongly marked on her countenance which my putting ourselves into the power of a strange man excited he pointed out his cottage, and drawing near to it, I was not sorry to see a female figure, though I had not, like Marguerite, been thinking of robberies, murders, or the other evil which instantly, as the sailors would have said, runs foul of a woman's imagination. On entering, I was still better pleased to find a clean house, with some degree of rural elegance. The beds were of muslin, coarse, it is true, but dazzlingly white 
and the floor was strewed over with little sprigs of juniper, the custom, as I afterwards found, of the country, which formed a contrast with the curtains, and produced an agreeable sensation of freshness, to soften the ardour of noon. Still, nothing was so pleasing as the alacrity of hospitality. All that the house afforded was quickly spread on the whitest linen. Remember, I had just left the vessel where, without being fastidious, I had continually been disgusted. Fish, milk, butter, and cheese, and, I am sorry to add, brandy, the bane of this country, were spread on the board. After we had dined, hospitality made them, with some degree of mystery, bring us some excellent coffee. I did not then know that it was prohibited. The good man of the house apologized for coming in continually, but declared that he was so glad to speak English he could not stay out. He need not have apologized. I was equally glad of his company. With the wife I could only exchange smiles, and she was employed observing the make of our clothes. My hands, I found, had first led her to discover that I was the lady. I had, of course, my quantum of reverences, for the politeness of the North seems to partake of the coldness of the climate and the rigidity of its iron-sinewed rocks. Amongst the peasantry there is, however, so much of the simplicity of the golden age in this land of flint, so much overflowing of heart and fellow-feeling, that only benevolence and the honest sympathy of nature diffused smiles over my countenance when they kept me standing, regardless of my fatigue, whilst they dropped courtesy after courtesy. The situation of this house was beautiful, though chosen for convenience, the master being the officer who commanded all the pilots on the coast and the person appointed to guard wrecks. It was necessary for him to fix on a spot that would overlook the whole bay. As he had seen some service, he wore, not without a pride I thought becoming, a badge to prove that he had merited well of his country. It was happy, I thought, that he had been paid in honor, for the stipend he received was little more than twelve pounds a year. I do not trouble myself or you with the calculation of Swedish ducats. Thus, my friend, you perceive the necessity of perquisities. This same narrow policy runs through everything. I shall have occasion further to animadvert on it. Though my host amused me with an account of himself which gave me aim idea of the manners of the people I was about to visit, I was eager to climb the rocks to view the country, and see whether the honest tars had regained their ship. With the help of the lieutenant's telescope I saw the vessel under way with a fair, though gentle, gale. The sea was calm, playful even as the most shallow stream, and on the vast basin I did not see a dark speck to indicate the boat. My conductors were consequently arrived. Straying further, my eye was attracted by the sight of some heartsies that peeped through the rocks. I caught at it as a good omen, and going to preserve it in a letter that had not conveyed balm to my heart, a cruel remembrance suffused my eyes, but it passed away like an April shower. If you are deep-read in Shakespeare, you will recollect that this was the little western flower tinged by love's dart, which maidens call love in idleness. The gaiety of my babe was unmixed. Regardless of omens or sentiments, she found a few wild strawberries more grateful than flowers or fancies. The lieutenant informed me that this was a commodious bay. Of that I could not judge, though I felt its picturesque beauty. Rocks were piled on rocks, forming a suitable bulwark to the ocean. Come no further, they emphatically said, turning their dark sides to the waves to augment the idle roar. The view was sterile, still little patches of earth of the most exquisite verdure, enameled with the sweetest wild flowers, 
seemed to promise the goats and a few straggling cows luxurious herbage how silent and peaceful was the scene i gazed around with rapture and felt more of that spontaneous pleasure which gives credibility to our expectation of happiness than i had for a long long time before i forgot the horrors i had witnessed in france which had cast a gloom over all nature and suffering the enthusiasm of my character too often gracious god damped by the tears of disappointed affection to be lightened up afresh care took wing while simple fellow-feeling expanded my heart to prolong this enjoyment i readily assented to the proposal of our host to pay a visit to a family the master of which spoke english who was the drollest dog in the country he added repeating some of his stories with a hearty laugh i walked on still delighted with the rude beauties of the scene for the sublime often gave place imperceptibly to the beautiful dilating the emotions which were painfully concentrated when we entered this abode the largest i had yet seen i was introduced to a numerous family but the father from whom i was led to expect so much entertainment was absent the lieutenant consequently was obliged to be the interpreter of our reciprocal compliments the phrases were awkwardly transmitted it is true but looks and gestures were sufficient to make them intelligible and interesting the girls were all vivacity and respect for me could scarcely keep them from romping with my host who asking for a pinch of snuff was presented with a box out of which an artificial mouse fastened to the bottom sprang though this trick had doubtless been played the out of mind yet the laughter it excited was not less genuine they were overflowing with civility but to prevent their almost killing my babe with kindness i was obliged to shorten my visit and two or three of the girls accompanied us bringing with them as part of whatever the house afforded to contribute towards rendering my supper more plentiful and plentiful in fact it was though i with difficulty did honour to some of the dishes not relishing the quantity of sugar and spices put into everything at supper my host told me bluntly that i was a woman of observation for i asked him men's questions the arrangements for my journey were quickly made i could only have a car with post-horses as i did not choose to wait till a carriage could be sent for to gothenburg the expense of my journey about one or two and twenty english miles i found would not amount to more than eleven or twelve shillings paying he assured me generously i gave him a guinea and a half but it was with the greatest difficulty that i could make him take so much indeed anything for my lodging and fare he declared that it was next to robbing me explaining how much i ought to pay on the road however as i was positive he took the guinea for himself but as a condition insisted on accompanying me to prevent my meeting with any trouble or imposition on the way i then retired to my apartment with regret the night was so fine that i would gladly have rambled about much longer yet recollecting that i must rise very early i reluctantly went to bed but my senses had been so awake and my imagination still continued so busy that i sought for rest in vain rising before six i scented the sweet morning air i had long before heard the birds twittering to hail the dawning day though it could scarcely have been allowed to have departed nothing in fact can equal the beauty of the northern summer's evening and night if night it may be called that only wants the glare of day the full light which frequently seems so impertinent for i could write at midnight very well without a candle i contemplated all nature at rest the rocks even grown darker in their appearance looked as if they partook of the general repose and reclined more heavily on their foundation what i exclaimed is this active principle which keeps me still awake why fly my thoughts abroad when everything around me appears at home 
my child was sleeping with equal calmness innocent and sweet as the closing flowers some recollections attached to the idea of home mingled with reflections respecting the state of society i had been contemplating that evening made a tear drop on the rosy cheek i had just kissed and emotions that trembled on the brink of ecstasy and agony gave a poignancy to my sensations which made me feel more alive than usual what are these imperious sympathies how frequently has melancholy and even misanthropy taken possession of me when the world has disgusted me and friends have proved unkind i have then considered myself as a particle broken off from the grand mass of mankind i was alone till some involuntary sympathetic emotion like the attraction of adhesion made me feel that i was still a part of a mighty whole from which i could not sever myself not perhaps for the reflection has been carried very far by snapping the thread of an existence which loses its charms in proportion as the cruel experience of life stops or poisons the current of the heart futurity what hast thou not to give to those who know that there is such a thing as happiness i speak not of philosophical contentment though pain has afforded them the strongest conviction of it after our coffee and milk for the mistress of the house had been roused long before us by her hospitality my baggage was taken forward in a boat by my host because the car could not safely have been brought to the house the road at first was very rocky and troublesome but our driver was careful and the horses accustomed to the frequent and sudden acclivities and descents so that not apprehending any danger i played with my girl whom i would not leave to marguerite's care on account of her timidity stopping at a little inn to bait the horses i saw the first countenance in sweden that displeased me though the man was better dressed than any one who had as yet fallen in my way an altercation took place between him and my host the purport of which i could not guess excepting that i was the occasion of it be it what it would the sequel was his leaving the house angrily and i was immediately informed that he was the custom-house officer the professional had indeed effaced the national character for living as he did within these frank hospitable people still only the excisemen appeared the counterpart of some i had met with in england and france i was unprovided with a passport not having entered any great town at gothenburg i knew i could immediately obtain one and only the trouble made me object to the searching my trunks he blustered for money but the lieutenant was determined to guard me according to promise from imposition to avoid being interrogated at the town gate and obliged to go in the rain to give an account of myself merely a form before we could get the refreshment we stood in need of he requested us to descend i might have said step from our car and walk into town i expected to have found a tolerable inn but was ushered into a most comfortless one and because it was about five o'clock three or four hours after their dining hour i could not prevail on them to give me anything warm to eat the appearance of the accommodations obliged me to deliver one of my recommendatory letters and the gentleman to whom it was addressed sent to look out for a lodging for me whilst i partook of his supper as nothing passed at this supper to characterize the country i shall here close my letter yours truly end of letter one recording by elizabeth morant